Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. Final seconds here in this NBA season. The respect from those two. And that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Lakers take down the heat. A big second quarter. They blow it open, turn it into a 30-point game, and then just play out the string. PK, that was the poor performance I thought we might see from the Lakers on Friday night. I was a little surprised it got to Sunday, but LeBron and the Lakers clearly didn't want to miss or mess around with a Game 7, and they, it was a complete blowout in the first half. I think it was more the heat running out of gas, so they had enough in the tank on Friday, and then they didn't have much left over, and so the Lakers still had a whole heck of a lot of gas left. And LeBron, at 35 years of age, if you just narrow it to him, He certainly had and has. It's amazing. You know, if you can find a way, if you don't support him, to divorce yourself from the politics, you cannot argue. I mean, what a phenomenal basketball player he is. It's certainly just a sight to watch to see him do his thing out on the basketball floor. I feel bad for those folks who can't do it, but that's their choice. As far as between those lines of that basketball floor, man, he is just sensational. Really, you can't say enough about his ability to play the game of basketball, particularly when you factor in the age when guys are supposed to slip. You must have a real discerning eye to notice any form of slippage, because I certainly don't. It didn't look like much slippage. He looked dominant. I mean, he just looked overwhelmingly dominant. And to do it at this age after coming into the league so young, and, you know, Locke's got the theory on minutes, and it, it largely holds up. A, a few guys beat that curve. Stockton and Malone did. Uh, but LeBron's just shattering it. I mean, he's well beyond the point where he should be fading, and he isn't, not even close. That uh, He went for a Jordanish moment, though. His, uh, I don't know, comment, speech, whatever it was after the game, you know, everybody listing everybody who wanted respect, Rob, um, you know, the GM, the coach, the organization, the fans. And I want my damn respect. I'm like, we literally have to go back 25 years to find anyone to compare you with. <laughs> You're the guy. I think you got it, LeBron. Guess he doesn't see it and hear it the way we do. You can find one or two things out there and then convince yourself that's the truth. Uh, yeah, I don't really get caught up in that. To me, it's on what's on, goes on in the floor. Well, the rest of that stuff is just, it's just noise to me. Well, they're going to be the favorites next year, I would assume. That's championship number 17, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. The single setback. He gets the ball. He gets hit. I don't think he got there. It's going to be close. It's going to be oh so close. It's Seahawks football. He did not make it. Madison got the handoff, tried to go over his right guard, and did not get there. Russell, look out. He's going to fire inside. Reaching up, making a catch. Does he hang on? He does. It's a touchdown. It's a touchdown Seahawks, and it's Metcalf who reaches up and makes the catch. Seattle rallying, blowing the lead, rallying again. Russell Wilson, the offense, bail 
out that defense one more time, PK. That's your Super Bowl pick right there. They're still undefeated. A perfect 5-0. and Yeah, 4th and 10, and they throw the deep ball, and they get it. It was a sensational last-second drive there. He's amazing. There's just no doubt about it. And I think they've got enough. You know, it comes down to one game. You can't guarantee anything when we get to that point in a few months. But for now, he's just really fun to watch, and I think they have the best team in the NFC. As long as they've got the ball last, there's no reason to doubt them. Now, if they don't have the ball last, that'd be a little nerve-wracking. I'd continue well, as it would be for any team. Continue to not have a lot of faith in that defense. Props to Cody Barton on stopping that fourth Except, down. I mean, they made yeah. a phenomenal play. That was a big one. Yeah. Offense in the position. You don't need to stop every possession with that offense. No. No, that offense is, uh, is lighting it up. They're averaging, I think, 34 points a game, and the offense is just putting up huge numbers. They improved to 5-0. and The only other undefeated team in the NFC is the Packers, who uh, 4-0 and didn't play yesterday, so they got to buy this week. Uh, the other undefeated teams, the Chiefs fall. They were rolling in the first half, and then they came out in the third quarter and nothing. A scoreless third quarter, and the Raiders win the fourth quarter and win the game 40-32. to Derek Carr thrown for 347 yards, and Raiders have a little speed. That was old school. Just chuck it deep and go get it. And they had multiple guys. Henry Ruggs, baby. Yeah, Ruggs went and got it a couple times. As they're trying to build this program in Vegas, that was monumental for them. 40-32 the final, a really good win for the Raiders, who are 3-2, and two, and they're a game behind the Chiefs in the West now. The Steelers are 4-0, undefeated. They pick up a win. They beat the uh, the Eagles. How'd you like to be a rookie? I'd and love score. to be a rookie. <laughs> You'd love to be a rookie. And score not once, not twice. Chase Claypool, four touchdowns, three catches, and he scored on an end around in the first quarter. A four-touchdown game. You don't see those very often. Yeah, that's, that's sort of incidental that Roethlisberger tries to go to you and they call your number on the end around. It's more it, it's more about the team that you got the ball in the end zone that much. And to see that the Pittsburgh Steelers, the first time they're 4-0 since 1979, was a surprise to me. I would have thought they would have been able to accomplish that. It doesn't really mean anything. It's a nice start, obviously. It's a great start. You can't get better after four games. But I would have thought that with the because it's been an illustrious franchise that they would have done that before, and that was that was a surprising statistic to watch or see, I should say. Yeah, I had no idea when they uh, when they uh, told us that. I had no clue. You would think with the Super Bowl champions they've had, the teams have lost in the Super Bowl or the AFC title game, that somebody would have been four zero. But turns out it's been uh, forty years. The Ravens are just a half game behind him at 4-1. and one. That's uh, not particularly surprising, I think. The Browns, however, are 4-1. and one. That's a little surprising. They beat the Colts 32-23. Last time they were 4-1, and one, Bill Belichick was the coach in Cleveland. So it's been a while. But a, a good win for them over the Colts. Both teams were 3-1. That was a good win. They picked off Phillip Rivers for a pick six and ended up winning that game. Monday Night Football, it's the Chargers and the Saints. Michael Smith will not play. Gotten an altercation with safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson in practice over the weekend. He's been ruled out for the game. Throwing punches at a teammate, never a good idea, PK. Uh, no, it depends on how good you are, though. He's really good, and he's still suspended. He's the best in the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, suspension versus firing is a big, big deal. 
Fair point. Dak Prescott out for the year. Compound fracture and dislocation. Weird that that happened on the day Alex Smith came back. Mm, I guess so. Alex Smith returns, gets sacked six times, uh, completes a few passes. Those able to get out there on the field as uh, Washington has an injury. Kyle Allen got knocked out. See how long he's out for. Uh, planning on a Monday Night Football doubleheader tonight. It's not happening. The Denver-New England game's been moved back, and they moved a bunch of games around. So we'll just have the one traditional Monday Night Football game tonight with the, uh, the Chargers and the Saints in New Orleans at 6 o'clock. And the Falcons fire their head coach, Dan Quinn. They're off to an 0-5 start. The Jets, the Giants, and the Falcons. There's your three teams at 0-5. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. Powell lined up in the slot. There's the quarterback run. And Wilson with his sixth rushing touchdown of the season. With 8.29 on the clock, they've used up more than six minutes. Algier into the end zone. A little punctuation. Now that's how you finish off the game. BYU gets the win over Texas San Antonio. They beat UTSA 27-20. The Cougars improved to 4-0. Didn't look anything like the first three. They weren't nearly as dominant. They had penalties at the wrong times. They had turnovers. They had fumbles they lost but got back but looked sloppy in the process and wasted downs. It was not a glorious victory, PK, but it beats losing to Toledo and South Florida and Hawaii, so they are 4-0, and now they can learn from a win instead of learning from a loss. Well, the way I look at it is that it's very difficult for a team to play at the level that they've been playing at. Now, none of that matters when they take the field Friday. It's what you do at that particular time. So this should heighten the awareness of, guys, we need to make sure we take care of all the finer points of the game, which means ball security every single time. You as an individual, whether you're the quarterback throwing or the running back running and the receiver catching, that you need to value that thing. That's just one example. And so they'll find ways to get better. So... Uh, yeah, he's somewhat distressing, but at the same time, it's hard for me to imagine teams playing at their peak every single week. There's going to be natural letdowns, you know, and you got this upstart San Antonio team coming in there. Obviously, they had all the emotion because they have everything to gain and you have nothing, uh, they have nothing to lose, basically. I mean, they lose the game, obviously. Whereas you, now you've got to maintain it because you're expected to win by 35. And if you don't win by 35, oh my gosh, you're a fraud. You're just not really that good. So you're sort of in a no-win situation unless you won huge. And then if you won huge, oh man, they just played another garbage team again. This is getting ridiculous. They finally play somebody. Can they schedule Corner Canyon maybe midweek like you guys do in the soccer to add an extra game? So if you look at it that way and take a step back, which is what I'm going to do until I see otherwise, I can live with this, and now you have an opportunity. Houston is... I'm not sure how good they are. They've only played one game, obviously. But but we know that their brand name is better than all the teams that they've played, with the exception, potentially, if you want to argue, Navy. Navy looks like they're having a down season this year. But Navy's been pretty good. And obviously, they play Houston and all that stuff. And so, Navy beat Temple. Yeah, those those two teams. But they're still having a down year relative to what they can Correct. achieve because we've seen them achieve as recently as last season, an 11-win season. So I'm not sure these other programs uh, you know, consistently can do that. Well, I realized La Tech did it last year, 
but Navy has been pretty good. So to their standard, they're down. Houston's a brand name. It's not the biggest brand name by any stretch, but it's a better brand name than they've played here in the last three games. So they got an opportunity if they come out and win that ball game, then what happened last Saturday really doesn't matter. I think if you could order up a wake-up call, and we don't know that that was a wake-up call, but I think a lot of Cougar fans hope that's a wake-up call. That was a wake-up call to get a team focused and eliminate sloppy mistakes, handoffs that looked like the running back and quarterback weren't exactly running the same play. You know, if this is the wake-up call, then this is a good time to have it because Houston probably should be a bigger test. So have the wake-up call now. I did think a couple of those UTSA players, you brought this up on TV last night, that they have, uh, you know, they're sitting in Texas, right? They ought to have, they're only a decade old, so they're not getting the, they're not getting the top-tier guys, they're not getting the second-tier guys, but even the fourth and fifth-tier guys in Texas have some talent. And that, uh, when they made the quarterback switch and they brought in uh, Lowell Narcisse, how do you say that? Narcisse. Narcisse. Uh, he looked pretty good. He did. He threw it pretty well. 17 of 20. He ran pretty well, yeah, and he had the. He was really highly recruited and had injuries in LSU. high school. They did a good job of telling that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. multiple injuries. That, that's the one thing that I would be concerned about most coming out of this ball game is that his level of effectiveness and efficiency you would take just about every single time, and that's a lot of that's on BYU. And so they had some big sacks at the end, and that was nice. Uh, what was it, one kid, Summers, is that his name? Yep, Dave Summers. Had a huge sack. So I like the fact when things got close, you could see BYU bear down a little bit more, and they made plays on both sides of the ball. That was a good sign. But I'd be a little concerned about the effectiveness of this kid coming in because he had a sensational game, and that's something you're going to have to get better at. Coming off the bench, he was 17 of 20 for 229 yards. He had a nice 14-yard run, too. That was an eye-opener. So BYU's 15th in the AP poll, 13th in the coaches' poll as they go to Houston for a game Friday night. Both teams are undefeated. 4-0 BYU versus 1-0 Houston. DJ and PK. Ellinger in the shotgun. He's got it. Sooners twist up front. He has time. Lob toward the end zone. It's intercepted. Trey Brown. You could unhitch the wagon. Oklahoma wins in four overtimes. A Red River showdown for the ages. Oklahoma blew a fourth quarter lead. Texas working some of that magic they had against Texas Tech with a couple touchdowns in the last three minutes to get to OT. But this time... They're beaten in quadruple overtime. Both teams now two and two. Uh, just what you were saying about Navy PK. You know these are teams with really good brands. This isn't a magical year for either one of them. But it was a very entertaining game. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, I feel like I got a much better read on the national college football scene. Yeah, now right. because I'm watching games. I mean, not just snippets of games, but literally games that I normally wouldn't be watching as much because I'd be focused on the Pac-12. And then when you get into Saturday night, there's always uh, Pac-12 and Mountain West football being played. So you're bouncing back and forth uh, between those games if uh, the Utes and Cougars aren't playing 
And so I look at it and I just see, man, Alabama's good, but they that game that they had with Lane Kiffin's team, Ole Miss, was crazy. To me, it just seems like Clemson is the most dominant team. Now, I haven't seen Ohio State take the field at all, so I'm just talking about the teams that have played. Yes, Alabama uh, wins 63-48. I thought Nick Saban's uh, walk-off interview, you know, it was pretty gracious. He said all the right things. But then I read a quote later about maybe they had our signals. And I'm like, what, are we getting into Spygate here? And then his linebacker said, no, they definitely had him. He did, Saban did say on the field, he said, it was like they always had the right play for the defense we were in. You know, if we're blitzing, they're throwing a screen. If we're dropping eight, they're running the ball, you know. And they always seem to be in the – then later in, it went into the whole signals thing. Uh, that was not the only shootout in the SEC. I don't know what happened to all that glorious SEC defense, but I'd rather watch 63-48 than uh, 13 to nothing or 6-3 or whatever. Uh, A&M took down Florida 41-38. So this conference might beat itself up, PK. Well, it's, it depends on what team I'm on. If it's the Sun Devils winning 3 nothing, they'll take, take 12 3 nothings. So, uh, Nine, Yeah, 19 nothing. There's a famous Sun Devil game find glory in the team that you're rooting for if they win. Otherwise, I get your point. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think the office, offense is there around the country. I mean, you have to score a bunch of points to win games now. And Bronco identified this several years ago, that this is the trend and where it was going. And so he said that if you hold a team to 24 points, he thought you should win a ball game. And I was surprised he said that from a defensive perspective that he's coming from. But yet, that's where we are with these offenses. Missouri upset LSU 45-41. And no defense the whole game. They're just going up and down the field, right? Big plays, touchdowns, whole bit. And then at the end of the game, Missouri's defense, fourth down, and they have a goal line stand at the one-yard line. And they get it done. The team that does seem to have – well, you mentioned Clemson uh, and also Georgia. Those are the two teams that won games. Georgia beat Tennessee 44-21, and the defense scored for them in that game. Georgia and Clemson are the two teams who probably the defenses can look at the film, and it's not a horror show the way it is for everybody else. Okay, we'll see what Georgia plays Alabama this week, just how much uh, how good it is. Yeah, right. Uh, Mike Leach and Mississippi State, 24-2, losers to Kentucky. There's a team. Of all the teams that get shut down like that, and then afterwards he's, he's ready to uh, – we're going to have to check our group and figure out who really wants to play here because any malcontents, we're going to have to purge a couple of those. Somebody's getting run. Six interceptions later. Well, that's typical for Leach. You lose, it's the player's fault. You Costello throws for 8,000 yards. Leach is brilliant. I mean, I, I love the way he frames it. I mean, we've seen this act over and over again with him. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. NLCS starts today. LCS is underway. PK, you like the Rays pitching. They got some awfully good pitching, beating Houston 2-1. An early homer for Altuve, and then a whole lot of nothing. Blake Snell, a strong start. That's what they do. You know, they won the Yankee game, the deciding game 2-1, if I remember too. And I can recall that game. First of all, I must say, I think all playoff games should be played in San Diego and Los Angeles. <laughs> it's uh, a good look, right? <laughs> yes, it really is. Uh, great stadiums and just great weather. And you get the sun out uh, for the beginning of the game, which is cool. Uh, but uh, they won that game 
two to one uh, with a home run for to beat the Yankees. What was that on Friday? And they showed the ninth inning, and they have a pitcher uh, camera looking at the bullpen. And Castillo's pitching. He finished it. He finished it off last night too. And in the bullpen warming up, you got Snell and Morton. They're their two best pitchers. So to that point, it was the most important game of the season. And those two are warming up to potentially come in. Neither of them pitched in the game. The most important game in the season, you don't have your top two pitchers pitch. That tells you the depth and quality of your pitching staff. So the Rays win game one. Game two is this afternoon at 2 o'clock on TBS. And then game one of the National League Championship Series, Braves and Dodgers, 6 o'clock on Big Fox. So you got a baseball playoff doubleheader today and a single Monday night football game. That's good. Yeah? Yeah, good. You were a Jersey guy right across from uh, New York. So you had to be, what, maybe 20 minutes from Yankee Stadium? Whitey yes. Ford. That's a big name. Legendary name. Yes. Uh won more World Series games than anybody else in Major League history. He won 10 World Series games. He won six World Series championships, 11 American League pennants, 16 years with the Yankees. He was 91 years old. He passed away over the weekend. Huge name in baseball history. Yeah, if you're winning that many World Series games, I mean, obviously, you are a legendary pitcher. Uh, I mean, I didn't see him pitch, but I certainly knew about him. You knew that name, and with the nickname, too. That made him stand out even more. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL takes the first half lead, and then in a big old gut punch, they lose to Vancouver again. Disappointing loss. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, but kind of a fluky own goal. And then the guy who beat him last time beat him this time, too. Cavallini with the game-winning goal. Five and a half million dollars they paid to get him from a club in Mexico, PK. We were talking about money last week. Talking about money again. Whitecaps beat RSL. Still within shouting distance of a playoff berth, but they are below the playoff line with one win, one draw in the last seven games. It's an ugly stretch, and they got six games to figure it out now. Yeah, I really appreciated uh, your man Dunny on the broadcast because he was telling it like it is big time. He was missing no words, which, you know, I appreciate that when somebody sees what they see and we see it and is willing to say it. And he clearly was willing to say it, which then in turn, as we go forward, if he sees something with the officiating and he wants to comment, in my mind, he has a ton of credibility because he's not approaching the officiating errors from a homer standpoint. He's approaching them from the opinion of what he sees. And that what we saw. I thought he was very... Uh, critical critical analysis which I have zero problem with tell me the truth as you see it and yeah, that was uh, he was laying it out there on what is wrong and what needs to be done and all that type of stuff where are the goals going to come from and where's the confidence going to come from you know the interesting thing about the goal is that um, you know you do the zoom interviews leading up to a game right yeah. and so Freddie Wars, the coach, says, I think we – and, and the, the weird thing was because they're playing with the midweek games and all that, so it's a Friday afternoon Zoom. It was like 1230. And we talked to a couple players and then the coach. And he says on that, and I'm on that, and he says, we've seen a couple things. Uh, you know, we think we have some ideas on uh, – because he was asked about the lack of scoring, where the goal is going to come from. We have some ideas on how we might be able to score. and uh, But he doesn't want to say any more, right? You can't give everything away. So then – 
a few minutes later, as it works out, it's like 10 minutes later, he's got the call with the broadcast team, where typically coaches will say a little more. And so I asked him, I said, well, you just told, and I'm on the broadcast call too, and I say, well, you just told us, you saw some things, can you tell us what they are? And he kind of looks at us like, can I trust you guys? You're going to be yapping about this. Because obviously, he couldn't say it on the earlier one, have it in the Salt Lake Tribune and the Deseret News on Saturday morning when everybody's, you know, reading stuff online. Saturday morning? Yeah, what do you mean? Come on, man. You old, that's old school. You can have it on that afternoon. Yeah, they could have They could have cranked it out. There wasn't much turnaround time, but you're right. They could have seen it online Friday night, right? And so, <laughs> so he tells us how there's a score. And, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain randomness, right? And people are running around and guys see opportunities. It was like a football play the way it was drawn up. He was talking about crosses in from the right side, the ability to get in between the center backs. I mean, he basically said exactly how they scored. Almost how they scored twice, but the first shot went wide and then the second one went in. I just find it uh, unusual that in the run of play, you can predict exactly what's going to happen like that. But then it didn't pay off because of the second half anyway. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Utah football availability today. We're going to hear from the quarterbacks, Cam Rising, Jake Bentley, battling for the starting job, and Kyle Whittingham, the head coach. That's scheduled to start about 8.20, Kyle at about 8.40. The players first, and then Kyle. So we'll have a half an hour of Utah football for you coming up. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider at 9 o'clock. Coming up next, BYU football, your take on game number four. It looked different than the first three. What does that mean? We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.